Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other one's just along for the ride. Tyler, say what's up. Hey, hey, hey. We are here um, with our resident minor league expert. Um, and we're just going to talk minor leagues today, right before our cool interview at the end of the uh, episode here. We'll, we'll just kind of leave it at that. It was a pretty cool conversation yesterday. Yeah, don't want to speak on that too much. It's definitely worth tuning into. Um, encouraging little talk about, uh, you know, one of our, our recent top draft picks. So definitely worth listening to. He's going to be making an impact soon. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, let's dive into this. So lockout, MLB lockout, uh, is what it is, right? It sucks. It's changed off, changed the whole off season. Um, but before all that happened, players were added to the 40 man, right? We talked a little bit about it on our last pod with James and Kirk, but what do you expect from these guys in 2022? The Rollison, Tavar, and uh, Davis here. Yeah, it's definitely a little murky with the, the latter two, but I think with Rollison, you can definitely expect he's going to compete for that, that fifth rotation spot. Um, you know, if he doesn't end up out competing like the other guys, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, then he'll start in triple A and, and have his chance to, you know, knock down the door Tavar, I bet he starts in, in double A, maybe even in Spokane. It just kind of depends on how aggressive they want to be. And then Davis will be in double A. So I'd say Tavar and Davis probably at least a year away, but Rollison, we'd love to see him, you know, contribute this year. I'd be, that'd be really cool from a fan perspective. Like guys, the top starting pitching prospect we've had since, I mean, I don't know, like the the Jeff Hoffman, Herman Marquez, John Gray, little class that we had. So, you know, excited about him. Yeah, last year he made a few appearances at Spokane, Hartford, and Albuquerque. Um, all in all, 71, pitch, 71 innings pitched, had a 560, 527 ERA. Um, so definitely was working on some things last year, um, but he saw all three levels right <laughs> coming back from what he have an appendicitis yeah he had a, a whole like he had that happen i think in june and then as he's coming back he takes a uh i think it was a line drive off his hand um so couldn't really get back into that rhythm i think he pitched a little bit after the broken hand too but i mean you kind of have to throw the year out because before the appendicitis it was like dang this guy's just cruising um but yeah, we didn't really get to see what he was all about for the whole season, but yeah, his numbers in Hartford and Spokane were pretty solid. Um, he's down in the uh, Dominican Winter League right now, yeah. playing for Lycee. Uh, has a three fifteen ERA uh, in twenty one in twenty pitch twenty innings pitched. Um, not so bad, twenty four strikeouts. So, and the walk rate is at five. So, one every four innings is not too bad. Yeah, it's just good to see him, you know, keep building that that kind of rhythm because he had a, almost an entire year stripped away from him. So, you know, hopefully that helps him coming into spring training. So let's, let's if we have that, right? <laughs> yeah, asterisk on that. <laughs> we are going to assume that we're going to have it, that we're going to do, we're going to have our full 162, all that. Let's talk that fifth spot. Because, I mean, it's going to be filled in by one of these young guys, I think. One of these guys that have been fighting for it. Um, Lambert, Rawlison, Feltner seem to be the top three. Um, I have a dark horse 
and Austin Godot being that fifth starter. Um, what are your – who are you feeling? Who are you picking out of that group to be that fifth starter? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll kind of be between – well, at least they'll be given the best opportunity, Lambert and Rollison. Um, I think Lambert gets that advantage just that he's pitched in the bigs in two separate years. Um, I mean, there haven't been a ton of encouraging signs from him, but he barely came back from Tommy John last year. So maybe he builds up a little more arm strength coming into spring training. So I think of those two, I mean, I, I want to see Rollison because we know the guy has, it's just, he shoves. Um, I have hopes for Lambert still. The guy, um, you know, and the minors had like this nasty changeup that could play really well at course field, but it just, hasn't really looked the part so far. So, you know, I'm hoping for Rollison. I would not be shocked, though, if it's Lambert. Um, and I'd almost say he's the favorite right now. And, like, the Rockies won't do stupid things. <laughs> but, like, the coming back from TJ, getting a t- taste of it last year at the end of it, um, I think Lambert is their go-to guy coming into 2022. I think he's going to be the fifth guy. Rollison, I think he'll make the opening day roster, but he'll be a relief pin, right? I just, I don't, I don't know. Like we haven't seen Rollison yet, and he had a weird year and all that. So I think they're gonna tread lightly with that. Like it seems like they tend to, tend to with these young guys. Um, Feldner had a t- taste. I think he's that sixth, seventh guy coming in. Yeah, and then I am making the prediction that Godot is our 2022 Chichi. He's going to be the guy that just kind of fills <laughs> in when we need to. Um, Godot trains, everybody jump on board. But he's been working out. They traded back for him. He came back to the Rockies. They obviously see something in him. I just don't want them to waste it. And he's been, he's been okay, right? He's been a solid, yeah. solid piece. And I just think he's going to be that spot starter when we know the injuries are going to hit in May, June, July. So that's my prediction. Yeah, and here's, like, the encouraging thing with him is Chichi Gonzalez, would he have pitched on another major league team last year if the, if he was not on the Rockies organization? That's that's a good question. I don't know if there's, an, like, a, a right answer to it. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's maybe a couple he would have gotten snagged up with. But you look at Ashton Godot, the Reds obviously had some interest in him. I think they had him on two separate occasions, like two waiver claims. So they were like, hey, this guy has some, some potential. Um like, I know he has good metrics on his fastball, which, you know, if, if an analytically minded team like the Reds didn't really serve him well, who knows what's what's going to happen here with Colorado, but definitely better than Chi Chi. So, uh, you know, that's I don't know how, what kind of bar that is to set, but <laughs> it's something <laughs> it's it's a bar. And right, <laughs> we just got to fill it in. No, none of us expected to see as much Chi 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 Chi's last year as we did. But here we are in. Godot's 25 innings last year, he had a whip under one, 0.9. His walks were 2.8 walks per nine. Strikeouts were at six. So I think his stuff plays, but it was a limited role. And I don't know, as a starter, that was one game starter. It was a starter. So I don't know. I'm shoot. He's going to be the fifth starter. He's going to be, he's going to be the guy. I think I saw it was like in a, either in a Nick Groke or I think it was, yeah, in a Nick Groke athletic article. He had mentioned, yeah, Ashton Godot is, is someone they're considering. So probably ignite the 
hatred on Rocky's Twitter. They're like, oh my gosh, Ashton Godot. But hey, I, it could be worse. <laughs> hey, let's lean into it. Let's lean into it. We gotta we gotta find something, right? Give me anything. All right. So <laughs> M- MLB Rule Five didn't take place. I'm supposed to. It's one of the more exciting things that happened at the winter meetings, yeah. at least for me. I kind of get giddy about it. Um, but it will happen once they figure out this lockout, CBA bullshit, all that. Um, so players that were not signed to the 40 man are eligible to be picked up. Big names that stood out to me, to us, was McIver, our boy, Kilkenny, and Jamison Hanna. And they were not added. Um, You have a list of a few other guys that have are Rule 5 eligible. Are we worried about any of these these guys being picked up? Well, I mean, I think the the main three we we listed, McIver, Kilkenny, Hanna, if a team likes those guys, I think there's a pretty good chance, you know. The other ones I named, I think some of the upper minors pitchers that the Rockies had last year, Nick Bush, left-handed starter. I mean, he had some pretty good numbers last year. There's a chance a team wants to use him as like a reliever. Um, I think Shelby Lackey, though, who he's been, a, he's had a lot of closing experience for the Rockies. Um, finished last year with Spokane. Um, you know, he's got good stuff. And so I think because of that, a team could say like, hey, this guy has the ability to be an MLB reliever. So maybe they try to jumpstart him. But I think I think the Rockies could be safe on MacGyver. Like everyone was really shocked about that one. I mean, I was a little Dang. shocked too. How are you going to go into like spring training with two catchers on your 40-man roster? But I, I think the, the philosophy is that it's hard for a catcher to get taken in the Rule 5 draft because – you know, those are young guys who don't have any familiarity with your pitching staff. So is a team likely to take him? I I don't know. I think it's possible if someone really likes – because he brings a lot of tools to the game. So someone might be like, hey, we got to take this guy. But I think catchers are just a difficult kind of breed to deal with in these these acquisition, acquisition kind of modes. Fun fact, catchers is actually the second most – picked mm. up position in the rule five that's okay thank you for you know kind of correcting that i think i think there's there is some some logic there but you know i guess it's it's one of those positions that everyone's always looking to get better at so um i think someone could say hey that's a backup catcher right there with yeah maybe more i'm 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 hoping that's not the case like he struggled He's our guy, right? He struggled, though, once he got up to Hartford and Albuquerque yeah. a little bit. He still needs to figure out that pitching, which is a good thing in this case, like I'm hoping anyway, that it kind of scares off other guys. Like, he's just not quite ready, other teams. He's not quite ready, not yet. And so I think he's I think he's safe. Um, I really think Kel Kenny's going to get pick it up, picked up. Yeah, I mean, the guy just, like, he's got some masterful command. Um, I know, I know he, he had like a fan graphs interview actually, where they were talking about him and it's like, the guy is, is a pitcher and yeah, I don't think he's gotten quite the, the respect from the organization not to get added to the 40 men. Um, would love to keep him though. Yeah. I mean, these names, like they're going to be good, no star studded, but like, they're going to be the solid pieces that the Rockies seem to miss out on. Like we always have the stud, right? But the, the supporting cast has always been lacking. It hasn't always been there. Or I think like a McIver and Kilkenny will end up being 
good major leaguers for a long time. Um, yeah. So those are the guys that, you know, fill out those last six roster spots and you need them to be MLB caliber players. And I think that's kind of where the Rockies have struggled is those last few guys on the roster. I think those guys will be for, for several years at least. Right. Right. I just thought I, w- I want Willie in purple. I want Willie Mack to stay here. He's our guy. He's not going anywhere. Don't do it. I can see like the Pirates or again, the Pirates, the Orioles doing something crappy like that. Like, hey, let's just do this because we're not playing for anything. <laughs> but Willie, you're you're staying here. You're staying here. We yeah, we gotta hope. They so the MLB did do, I guess MILB did do the rule five pick. Um right before the lockout or during the lockout because the MLB is not affected by the MLB lockout, which is still a brain twist for me. <laughs> I don't understand it whatsoever. Um, but they did the rule five pick. So we lost two players and we gained one. Um, I want to talk about the players that we lost Zach Matson and Joaquin Cabrera. I'm going to be honest. I was not familiar with Zach Matson. I did a little write up. Um, you can check the blogs on the link tree um, on him. And wasn't familiar. I don't think we're missing out on much. No offense to him, but like he's he's been struggling. Like he's a um, journeyman so far, trying to find his groove, and he just hasn't found it with us. But the walking Cabrera, you had a little bit different take on this, but I think he's somebody that we're going to miss out on in a few years. Yeah, I mean the the minor league rule five is is just an interesting process because you can take guys that. Are, are high upside players and you don't have that like rush that they have to be on your MLB roster. Like you can try to just develop them at a normal pace. And that's where Cabrera's at. Like, I mean, he's, I want to say he's 21. So he's not like a young kid, um, but you know, he hasn't played above the airs. Like the highest level he played was the Arizona complex league last year. You know, he had a really good first half. And so I was like, this guy might be really legit cooled down in the second half but I mean he's probably still uh, gonna be a solid prospect I think I think he missed 2019 so he he had that two years off I think everyone forgot about him but he's mm. you know he's a pretty decent prospect with a lot of tools so that might be yeah one that the Rockies miss um in a couple years when he's like in the upper minors and looks like a, a surefire big leaguer Zach yeah. Matson we'll talk about the guy they added because I think Zach Matson it's just kind of strange. You wouldn't protect him and then take a guy like Gabriel Rodriguez. Both, both of these guys are left-handed power guys, strike out a lot of guys, walk more than you'd like, um, which is being generous to Gabriel Rodriguez. Um, so I was kind of surprised that, you know, they, they lose Matson, get Rodriguez. It's like, you're looking at two lefty guys. One's upper minors already though. Matson had decent, results at double a Rodriguez walked 28.2 percent of hitters at low a so I mean I guess maybe the upside's higher with Gabriel Rodriguez but and, and it's not something to be to like hate or anything these are minor league guys you're you're talking about like inch inch moves in the grand process of things so but just right. kind of a funny little trade-off yeah like you could put the stats up right next to each other and you could listen to what you just said and you would not be able to guess who was who like their their numbers are super similar i will say i went and watched a gabriel rodriguez clip and dude is fun to watch the pitch 
it's like just a little fireball. His fastball is electric. You have no idea where it's going. He has no idea where it's going, <laughs> but that's part of the excitement, right? <laughs> like finding these little things in the game to watch. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on board with it. I rather have like this kind of Gabe Rodriguez in the system as opposed to a Matson. Matson's just been around for a while. Seems like, um, and Gabe is kind of the, the project. Like, all right, we got this guy. We see something in him. So Rockies, prove it. You've been working on these analytics. You've been working on new things. So here's your chance to prove that you are working on something, right? Like you got, you have this project. You have this dude that can light it up, has the stuff. What are you going to do with it? Show me that you're making yeah. something happen and let's, let's make it happen. So I'm, I'm, that's kind of my angle on this, you know, like, all right. So I have somebody to watch, like, which means what the Rockies are doing if they're doing something right or wrong and that's yeah. where i'm leaning on and you know they're, they're digging their heels in because last winter they acquired yoan ibar who rockies fans might not be super familiar with him but he's on the 40-man rock and he and gabriel rodriguez those two guys might as well be twins because like both big left lefties with huge stuff but walk way too many guys but i, I guess the rockies really think hey if we can you know, figure things out with these guys, their weapons. And they, they totally would be. So now they have two of these guys who they've, um, you know, invested into a little bit that are these huge high potential lefties that you could not trust to hit the broad side of a barn right now. <laughs> so we, you know, if they can figure it out, they'll look like geniuses. And, and that's what we got to hope for. <laughs> Sit back and buckle in folks. <laughs> Let's try to get into it. <laughs> And watch oh. out for their for Bay. If you're play, if you're at one of their games, watch out. You might get hit in the stands. You never know. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that Chad Kelly clip from last year where he hit the window when he had that big ass screen in front of him. He's doing his off season training. I'm just thinking about Gabriel doing that. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Um, we have a few more things, but I want to give a plug. We just released uh, top prospects to watch blog there's four four names in there you find it on the Substack, and uh we've linked it on twitter here in a little bit we've put it on instagram um so go check that out check out the other names too that you're familiar with our boys um not not promoting them in any way but like they they deserve that call out and two other guys that you might not know so go ahead and check out that out let us know share the article and uh give us your thoughts um so with that said, I asked the Twitter sphere, what are some prospects to watch last night? And there was a few that came back. Um, Zach Veen. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be watching him. Do you think he starts at Spokane or does he make the jump to Hartford next year after his tremendous 21 season? I mean, I think for the, I think he's going to start in Spokane. And I think just for the sake of like treating this guy like he's your life savings account, you should you gotta take care of him. Like you don't want to put your your life savings account into like a really aggressive stock play that you could lose like overnight. You want to put those into like some bonds that you're you're very sure you know it's gonna be slow growth. And I think that's the move with him. Just let him let him do the talking. Like if he goes out in Spokane, hits four hundred the first month. You could go ahead and put him in Hartford, but let's let's 
handle them with care. And I've seen that is a lot more beneficial in the long run. I've always been a proponent of trial by fire, just throw it in there, but <laughs> it's a different ball game, literally from each level. And I think I need to step, take a step back and let these guys get into it. But cause I mean, we've seen prospects not pan out because of the pressures and not being able to figure it out in that sense. Um, yeah. The next name that popped up was Tolia. Of course, that name's popping up. Doesn't make sense. Do we see him in purple pinstripes in 2021 too? What is next season too? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but I, I'm going to say not quite. But again, it's kind of like the same thing with Veen. Like if Toglia goes to, you know, I, he'll probably start in Albuquerque. Like there's a chance they'll oh like say, God. hey, give us a little more in Hartford. But chances are he's in Albuquerque. It, it's like we've seen this with Ryan McMahon and David Dahl in the past. They're in Albuquerque and they play like an immortal human being and just knock the baseball like like crazy. So I think Togli is set up for that. You know, goes to one of the most hitter-friendly parks and leagues and professional base. I think the most hitter-friendly league and a really hitter-friendly park. So right. it's just set up for him to just completely rake um you know pitchers are going to be careful with him he draws a lot of walks hopefully he hits like 30 bombs or something and he'll say hey i'm ready <laughs> that would be really cool because you know he's got a really intriguing skill set just with the switch hitting great first base defense um and and the plate discipline so i would love to see him i'm i'm gonna say he's more like an opening day 2023 guy yeah i think we see him in late september call-ups um, just because it's kind of crowded on the corners. You got Montero that's getting some attention um, and just yes. stay crowded infield as is. Maybe Tolia can just say, screw it, I'm going to go play shortstop. I mean, if we're going <laughs> with the idea of putting McMahon in there, why not put Tolia there? <laughs> Who knows what this he's going to do? Uh, the next one, I really like this name, uh, Jaden Hill. Jaden Hill came on the yeah. players to watch, and I think that is that's it, right? Like. He's that next, next crew coming up. Um, is he, he's done with surgery and rehab, right? Like he is going to be pitching in 2022. I think his, I think his surgery was in April of last year. So I think he's probably um, like going to be pitching again in the early summer, like May, June is probably his window. I think it's usually like 12, 10 to 12 months for Tommy John. So he might miss the first month or two of the season, but at least we'll get most, like a majority of the year out of Jaden Hill. Um, there's a lot to like, so we just really got to see it in action. Um, I think everyone should be excited for that. Yeah, I really like him. Just I've seen some interviews. I've read some things about him. He's just a genuine dude that wants to ball out, and I think that competitive mindset is really going to take him – far like i think he's gonna figure it out quicker than later even after this rehab stuff uh i'm i'm excited that name popped up last night that was cool um uh blake street banner's favorite duke and darnell i think you i mean spoiler alert he was in that article you wrote about he's he made a name for himself and it's really cool that he's our dude he was he gave us that time time of day last february and he just went out as bald 
balled out and doing sweet things. I imagine he's going to start in Hartford. I would love to see him in Albuquerque at the end of the season. Um, I mean, my expectations for him are super high. <laughs> like I want this dude to do things and he's got the, he's got the mindset. He's got the ability. Uh, I just want to see him throw gas and change ups and just make his name even more known in the, in this, this setting, you know? Yeah. And I don't think anyone quite saw what he's done coming. Like he's just been so dominant and it's, it's not by like good fortune either. Like he's, He's making guys swing and miss. He's not putting them like he's not getting behind in counts, really. Um, he's got a pretty deceptive delivery that's hard to pick up and hit. So I, I Hartford will be a test. It always is like the, the upper minor stuff, but it's like, yeah, he's just he's dope. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> he is big Duke and Dardanelles fans. Um, and then a deal Amador. Uh, I going to be straight up. I don't know much about this dude. Um, he's the number 15 prospects like, or top, top 20 prospects. I'm not sure what you have him at. Um, tell, I guess, enlighten me about Amador. Yeah. What should we expect from him? Yeah, for me, I have him in the top 10. I think I have him at nine just because, you know, really high profile international signing like one of the top Rockies international signings in, in years. Um, switch hitter, great bat-to-ball skills. He's fast. He plays shortstop. And I think there's like some power projection to have with him. So there's just so much of that, so many tools there. We see a lot of these profiles. Like these guys are, are, are not like uncommon. I'd say his skill level is uncommon. But, I mean, you see a ton of these, these international shortstops, really athletic. You know, they get the bat on the ball. But sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, and, and playing against, like, full season minor league talent, that'll be a real test for him. But, you know, I think his upside is as high as almost anyone in the system just because, you know, he could play shortstop. Um, and, and he has that, like, uh, you know, I don't want to throw, like, player comps on him, but, like, he has one of those, those just super high potential hit tools, could be getting on base, like, a, at a really high rate. So that's, you know, what I'm looking forward to with him. Yeah, he's going to be 19 to start the season. Got to assume he's going to be in Fresno, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I guess I just a little tidbit to throw in. It's like he just went to the Arizona Complex League, which is comprised of, like, some of the best college hitters from the previous year. Um, some other guys who are, who are, like, veterans in minor league baseball just trying to really push themselves again. So he's he was 18 last year, playing it against a lot of guys who are 21, 22, even 23 years old basically playing in a league that's that's above the NCAA because you've got some of their best guys there. Um, and, and, you know, he got on base, I want to say, at like a 390 rate. Like that's, you know, really impressive for a guy his age. Um, it's not going to get easier from here on out, of course. But, um, yeah, this will be a fun year for to watch him. All right. Players to watch out for. I'm excited. Um, who are you – most excited about i'll let you go first who's the minor league player that you're most excited i don't know i mean i kind of want to stick with what you put down because i was i was i will we'll just double down on him <laughs> i was weighing a couple guys but you know it's like 
I think we all just as, as like when you're looking at the minor leagues, you're always looking at tools. Like if this guy put it all together, that's like your mindset when you're looking at the minor leagues, which, you know, it's a little flawed. A lot of the time, like something's not going to click, but Brenton Doyle, it's like the dude has everything you want in a baseball player, like big, strong, fast, like, I mean, you can just start there, but then it's like he's produced. I don't know if everyone was expecting a Division two guy to go out and, and get hits, but, you know, he is. And, and he won, yeah, minor league gold glove this year. Like, he, he's using that speed to his advantage. That's promising because the Rockies value defense a lot. So, you know, if he's playing good defense, um, that's going to go a long way for him, even if, like, he doesn't hit that well. So, you know, he's he's really exciting just because – if he did put it all together, he could be the best player. He could he could rival like Zach Bean and stuff. So it's it's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Slashed um 280, 336, 4.54 yesterday. 16 last year, 16 home runs, um, and 16 doubles. Just big athletic dude. Uh the prospects have him at number seven on the top 30. You have him at number eleven. Um, his K rate seems a little bit high at 31%. Um, sure he's working on that, but just you, you kind of the eye test, the age old eye yeah. test. He passes it. Athletic build, big dude, gold glove, like you mentioned. Uh, he is, I, I'm excited to see what he pans out to. Cause I remember also talking to Michael Boyle uh, about him in the during the season. And he just like, he just has it. Like he just has it. You look at him, you see him play, you see him get ready each day. And Doyle is that dude. So I think he's that one that more people need to know more about. Like we have our top prospects, but like this guy should be talked more about also. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned the K rate and it's just, these are the kinds of things that divide the, I guess even like the Sam Hilliards and the Lewis Brinson's from like the, the, I don't, I don't want to say like Mike Trout loosely, but like, you know, in the minor leagues, he was like, he had a, a relatively high K rate and it's like, you know, he figured that out. Some guys don't. And so this is where you, it, it's like, are you going to be a, a journeyman or are you going to be a really good player? Mm-hmm. So that'll be 2022. What does Brenton Doyle do? Didn't mean to rhyme there, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's the motto. <laughs> we'll go with it. We'll ride with it. All right. Last one before our interview. Um, most to prove, which minor league prospect has the most to prove? Um, I mean, we'll see if we take opposite approaches on this. For me, it's definitely Ryan Valade. I'm I'm someone who's who's taken kind of the the pessimistic approach with him, seeing like, hey, this is a guy who we drafted to be a masher, and it looks like power is like the waning tool in his skill set right now. Like, you know, he's a good hitter. We know that. Somehow he's I think he see, and I think he might have like made an exchange. Like just like with his body for for more speed, less power. Wanted to become a little more athletic, a little less like hulking. Um, it's like we're seeing him play center field now. But you know, I'd much rather have Ryan Valet to have that offensive prowess and play left field than have him, you know, not really live up to his offensive potential and play center. Cause I mean, he's not gonna be like a great center field defender. He could maybe pull it off, but so I I'd like him as a player and I'm not in me saying I'm pessimistic. That's not me saying I don't like him. I think though that he's got to turn a hit tool. 
Like you can't just like teach a guy to hit as easily as you can teach him to, you know, like alter swing a little bit, work out more. Um, like those kinds of things can change a little more. So Valade to me, 2022, he's got something to prove. We'll see if he makes the opening day roster. You know, that's that's going to be a fun storyline to watch. Valade, Montero, um, another guy you'll probably talk about here in a sec. So, yeah, that'll be what I'm watching. Yeah, that's I think that's fair, right? He's he's the next up. Like, he's ready to – he's got to be yeah. My dude is uh, Colton Welker. He's the – he was the next in line after Nato. He's been the guy – he had that nonsense last year, played for about 30 games at the end of the season. Did did all right down in Albuquerque, uh, 286, OPS of 829, 854. So, like, he's he still had the skills. He can still do his thing, his breaking. He made he touched the majors for a little bit, uh, 37 at-bats, 20 games. Um, so he has a taste of what it takes. Still young, right? Like, he's 23. But he's, I think he has the most pressure for it on him. Um, you have Montero, you Walker's been the guy. Like who's going to come out of those two? And for me, I, I'm biased towards the homegrown, right? I want to yeah. see our guys from the beginning make that. But what is Colton going to do now that Montero's here? What? How is he going to battle that compete with that is he going to show up show out or is he going to take a step back and so and you i mean you, you he's an athlete right he's going to compete but how does he compete does he put too much pressure on himself does he not produce i just think there's all these mind games things that he has to figure out and i'm curious to see how he manages that and how he proves himself with that yeah. And, you know, he doesn't have the luxury that Ryan Vallade has of the the athleticism to play an MLB. Like he could, Vallade could play left field and course field. Colton Welker can't necessarily. So Welker's really got to do something because there's a lot of guys he's competing with. Vallade, you know, he could slide a little bit because the outfield competition is a little more open. Um, but, you know, the, but those are both the guys that if they could click, the Rockies could turn things around a little bit. They both, you know, have been top prospects in the system for a long time. They've both shown a lot of promise. They, they get in gear. Like those are two guys you could start to kind of build around a little bit more. Just mm-hmm. know that, Hey, this is, these are starters for us. I mean, we could have them hit five and six in the lineup, two, two and five, whatever it be. They could be kind of cornerstones in the lineup. Right. I being in Detroit, I, we, hear a lot about green Torkelson um, as the next guys and the tigers are banking on those two to make moves this year to make noise. And I think kind of Colton and Valade are those guys for the Rockies. Definitely not the same talent level, but like the same yeah. kind of mindset, like we need something from these guys this year to like lean into what our future is. So, yeah. That's, that's like been the Rockies MO the last few years. And it's, it's definitely kind of bit them a little just expecting guys to, to grow in a way though. It's like, it is inevitable. Like these are baseball players. They're like, some of them are going to be good. Um, and so this year, I think it's good to have the healthy competition. You've got Welker, Valade, Montero as kind of that trio. 
one of those guys has got to to be like legit um if like if one of them does not really end up being like a good MLB guy like obviously I think at least two of them if not all three are gonna stick at the at the big leagues for many years at least as bench players but one of those guys just you know comes on through busts down the door then things will be looking a little bit better on Blake Street yeah seriously and there is so much to watch for like dark times right now in Colorado but we have these pitching guys to watch out for how do those guys develop these hitters to watch out for how do they develop and how do the Rockies navigate all this with a fully staffed analytics department. Um, so like there are things that we can watch for and look out for, even though it's going to be another long season, we get it, but there are things to look at and watch every single day. Um, so I'm, a, I'm getting a little bit more excited, more angry about the CBA lockout, but I think we are, I think we're going to be okay. At least that from a fan perspective, you know, like there will be things to watch and it will be fun. It's going to be fun guys. Yeah. And I'm, I think with, with professional baseball, the way it goes is just life goes on. Like you're not necessarily talking about organizations. You're talking about players. Like the players are going to play. Some of them are going to do great things. Some of them are not. And um, it's it's not always going to stay one way. So even though the Rockies, you know, they've done a lot of things people might not like, you got to like what the players can bring to the table and just let them do their thing. So that's what 2022 is all about, is what guys are going to make a name for themselves because there's a lot of opportunities um, within the organization for that to happen. Right, exactly. Um, one name that we're going to be watching out sit down for this banter session is Carl Kaufman, the Michigan alum, um, had, had a season last year, was kind of thrown to the fire, got it figured out by the end of it, had some really good numbers in September and August um, compared to his June, July. And he just sat down with us for about 30 minutes yesterday, uh, talking ball from same school as DJ to Michigan University to what he's working on down in Tampa. And I will tell you now, it's not beach runs. <laughs> Not all beach runs down there, people. Only a twist. <laughs> Exciting. Listen, uh, share. We're just doing this to get these guys some recognition, share their words, and get you to get to know them a little bit. And that's the goal here. So share the word and um, go rocks. Woo! Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the other word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. Tyler, say hi. How's it going, guys? Carl, say what's up. How's it going? Hey, we are here with Carl Kaufman, a prospect in the minor league system for the Rockies. Uh, just spending a, what is it, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon here? Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> are you getting plumbled by this wind like we are on the west side? So I'm actually in uh, Tampa, Florida right now. Okay. I came down here uh, probably two and a half weeks ago. So I, uh, I, I left. I'm a snowbird these days, so I had to get out of the cold. <laughs> nice. That's, you're lucky because this is brutal up here right now. Like just trees back and forth. It's ridiculous. So yeah. what are you doing down in Tampa? Um, working with uh, some pitching guys and uh, just working out down here and uh, just enjoying the weather and just 
being able to get outside and throw. A lot of sand workouts. I just assume every time somebody says they're working out in Florida, they're just on the beach, just doing sand workouts for hours on hours. I actually haven't made it to the beach yet. So so <laughs> way right. to do that one. So hopefully here before I head back home for uh, Christmas, I'll be able to get out to the beach. Yeah. It's going to be brutal next week. Just to prepare yourself. Yeah. So let's jump into that. So you from the East side, Michigan, um, Bloomfield Hills, went to Brothers Rice, um, same school as DJ, um, as all Rocky fans know. What was that experience like? Like, did you, like, I guess, let's ask this. So DJ, just being the alum that he is, like, did he ever stop by? Was he kind of like the golden child of the school there while you guys were playing? Yeah. So he, uh, he used to come around quite a bit. And actually, the first time I really uh, got to meet him was after he won a national championship with LSU. Um, he came back and we did a little workout together. And from that point on, it was, we kind of our my our parents became friends. And basically, we just picked his brain for everything we could get. And basically, if he was doing something like like working out at this place, I started working out at that place. And just from there. Um, with the Brother Ice community, you know, we had a lot of really good baseball talent, um, just following in their footsteps and kind of listening to what the older guys had done and just trying to emulate that and take pieces from um, each guy and kind of piece together my own program to maximize kind of the development, um, which is tough up in Michigan. You know, it's it's not the most the best weather, all that stuff. You can make a lot of excuses, but um that's kind of what made us who we are today. And uh, I, that's kind of the best part. So yeah, DJ basically done everything that he's done throughout the years. That's cool. So like, so when you were working out, like I'm assuming like you're doing this as a freshman, sophomore in high school, like, or was this, so this way earlier? This started back in 2008. So I, I think I was closer to 11, 12 years old. Wow. So yeah, this is, this has been a long time coming for sure. And then when I go back home, um, which I spend a lot of time in the Detroit area, I work out with him um, at some local facilities too. So we get to talk still and it's a, uh, it's good kind of seeing how far he's come. And uh, ever since he won the batting title in Denver and then what he's been able to do with the Yankees these days. Yeah, it's really cool. So this has been a long time coming for you then, right? So ever since you were 10, 11, like, has it just kind of been baseball everything since that moment or like it's been a, just a every sport you know yeah. um I think that's the biggest thing you know playing basketball for three years in high school um growing up from age 12 you know I'd go to the school to cross practice and then right from there go to baseball practice after that or football you know everything so um it's just kind of been a process and uh Luckily, to have great parents that have been able to support me through it all and provide for me. So um, it's, been, it's been a great experience and just slowly starting to build on that. When did you become like a baseball only athlete? <clears throat> Was that kind of like in college or maybe like your senior year of high school? It was a senior year of high school. Um, started to really take a focus to uh, baseball and, and uh, kind of that's once I kind of committed to Michigan and started doing the whole showcase circuit that um, my junior summer 
that's kind of where things started to uh, take shape. And uh, that's really where I started to focus on baseball specific. And were you kind of the whole time you, you were kind of focused on baseball, Michigan was like the destination. If, if you were to, to have one place in college baseball, you could end up, it was, it was Michigan for you. You know, that's my dad went there. We've had season tickets for, I mean, countless years. So um, my falls consisted of football in Ann Arbor. So yeah. grew up, I mean, diehard Michigan fan. So it was always cool to like, or I was thought growing up, maybe I wanted to go play in the SEC, ACC type of deal. But once I realized what was really important and that I could get the education and the real, once Coach Backage got there, the baseball uh, excellence and mentality that he brought to the program, you know, that was huge for me. And I could get everything I wanted down south in Ann Arbor. And I would, there could be a place, there isn't a place I'd rather be personally. Over is pretty fun. Were you there? Did you get a chance to go to Ohio State game? Yep. Yeah, we were back in town. Were you at the stadium? The world. Or... Yep. <laughs> yeah, we had a good group of guys that had come back to uh, um, for the game, and I, I I think I only missed two or three games this year, so oh, it was wow. good being back. And yeah, we spent a lot of time in Ann Arbor. Nice. Were you at the Northwestern game by any chance? Um, Northwestern game. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So we hung out for a little bit. Then. <laughs> I was in the very top row of the sweet side on the okay. south side of the stadium, north side of the stadium. Yep. But it was a horrible game. Like Michigan did not go. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, Michigan baseball kind of came out of nowhere. You're, you're kind of part of that first up-and-coming group, right? Like CWS 2019. Um. What was like that team, like that 2019, like storybook type feeling, like it was just dudes being athletes. I just remember watching them, like not supposed to be baseball players, but here they are just doing baseball things. And it was really cool to watch. Yeah. I mean, it kind of gets that um, people, it's kind of what it looked like, um, I guess you could say. But I mean, really, it was a bunch of really good baseball players. You know, it was a great talent. You know, if you see, I'm really curious to see what that team looks like. If you look back at the roster 10, 15 years from now, um, kind of what's come with that. So I think it was just a really good mentality that Coach Brackage really ingrained in us. And from the change from my freshman year to the junior year in the program, the mentality, um, it was really good. And it was baseball focus with uh, the end goal in mind at all times. And I think that my junior year was just a culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, the right people being in the right place. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience. Well, so you spent a couple of years with Jack Blomgren. Uh, he's yep. now obviously in the organization. You probably uh, spent a lot of time talking to him. What can you tell us and the, and the Rockies fan base about Blomgren? He's someone I'm excited about he's he's one of like the scrappiest guys you can see um, really gets the most out of his ability. So like what else do you have to say about him? Yeah, you know, he's awesome. He works his tail off and uh, one of the grittier guys I've ever met. Um, and, you know, it's something getting to play with him for having him at shortstop for when he was a freshman and sophomore. I didn't fully appreciate him, you know, <laughs> I was because he would make these plays and he would make them and it's like, okay, like, you know, and when we got um, to Spokane, it was, 
people were starting to be like, wow, like that was a crazy play. And it was like, I'd seen him make that play a hundred times before, you know? <laughs> and so I think that was something where once the, the glove and stuff will always be there. So to see him hit that second half of the year, you know, I'd check his stats every once in a while and uh, to see what he was able to do and kind of turn his year around and learn from the whole process. You know, I think if you ask him, he grew a ton throughout this season and yeah. it's something for, that I've, seen him and really just not surprised about what he's been able to do. And I'm really excited to follow him and see what he does going forward. Yeah. I was going to ask if you were surprised because obviously he wasn't like a, any kind of slugger in, in college. He, he would never really strike out. He, he was a high contact guy, but I mean, he turned on the jets. Yeah. That second half got some, some, a lot of extra base production, tons of steals, like, so yeah, good to know that you you were not surprised by that at all. Yeah, no, it was uh, it's something that he's he's very talented, and you tell him to do something, he's going to go do it. And if he can't right away, he's going to find a way to do it in the near future. And I think that was something that you saw this year. Yeah, that mentality goes such a long ways. Definitely, like, yeah. Do you see that? Like, you don't have to name names or anything, but do you like see that like type of work ethic? like in the clubhouse from the certain people like or is everybody just coming in nose grinding doing their thing you know you get a lot of different perspectives um right. different teams um hitters kind of do their own thing you know they'll have early work so you don't really get to see what everybody does it's more of it's kind of you trust that guys are doing their stuff you know um but you definitely can tell guys who get confidence from the extra work, the little things, you know, and I know um, just cause I know Jack, well, that's something where if he had a tough day, like he's going to go work it out, you know? Um, and that's something he gets his confidence from his work, work ethic. Yeah. I like how you put that. That's way better than I asked. <laughs> um, you also worked with Fetter at Michigan and he got the call. Like, were you one of his first calls like hey I just got the job in Detroit <laughs> or did you reach he, out to him? Uh, yeah so he had uh texted us and uh me and uh, a couple other pitchers uh in a group chat kind of telling us kind of what had happened and how uh how excited he was about the opportunity and how how much he really loved coaching in Michigan where he played so you know it was not easy for him to take that uh position but it's something that you can't pass up so um, and what he was able to do, you know, it was tough to watch Tigers games last year. I didn't really get an opportunity to, um, but seeing kind of what the pitching staff had done and I'd get a call from my mom every once in a while, because that's all she'd get on the sports talk radio or whatever. So um, she kept me in the loop with how he, him and the staff were doing in Detroit. Yeah, it's really fun to watch. It's, it's Rockies first and the Tigers are right behind them on the TV up here. Yeah. How much how much did he like influence your arsenal? Because you've gone through a few different combinations of pitches in your time, from what I've seen. Um, I saw a fastball curveball to your slider curve change combination right now. How much of that is due to his expertise, his influence? You know, I think if anything, he just kind of helped me uh focus on kind of narrowing things down and really just focusing on sinker slider um, change up combination in college and what he was able to do with the technology we had to kind of make the little tweaks and stuff here 
to really polish the pitches um, that we were all throwing. So by the end of the year, we were at the top of our game. And what he was able to do with me that junior year and kind of helped me with my slider, really maximizing the slider, that was super uh, beneficial for me down the uh, stretch into the College World Series. So, um, and that's something that I still throw and I kind of got away from it a little bit. And then towards the end of the year, I started bringing it back and uh, I started getting better results um, in that way. So it was uh, kind of, it was more so the knowledge that he get, brought to the game and just kind of the overall uh, polishing of pitchers and knowing what to say, when to say it, um, the little things. I think that's really where he stood out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I went back and watched your September 2nd game um, a few days ago against reading the Fighting Bills, which is just a ridiculous team name. But <laughs> beyond the point, your slider is nasty. It's incredible. Like the movement that it has horizontal, it's very, it's, it's a fun pitch to watch. I absolutely love it. Um, but how cool was it to strike out Matt Joyce? Really cool. That's funny. I got, I got texts after the game from my mom or, and my dad, and they were together. They were um, talking about it. And they're like, that was Matt Joyce. And I'm like, yeah, we watched him play growing up. So, you know, that was cool. Um, there was a couple other, try to think of, uh, there's another outfielder that they had pre- earlier in the year who had played a little bit with the Tigers too. And my mom, same thing. So, you know, that was, it was cool to face those guys and uh, um, to compete against them. Building off of like the the slider that that Aaron's talking about, obviously, uh, like in college, your changeup was was a pretty go to pitch. Um, sinker was effective. Just where do you where do you feel like you're at now with with those three pitches? Are you trying to add um, kind of that fourth pitch? Just where are you at right now uh, with your arsenal? Yeah, so I'd say early in the year, I kind of lost feel for the changeup throughout the year. Um, just wasn't my best pitch, and then. A few weeks ago, I was able to get on Agritronic, the slow-mo camera, and I, I figured it out again. So I'm really excited to get back there and uh, kind of – I don't – I haven't really showed them the videos yet, but I – we were talking about it throughout the year, and I finally figured it out. So super excited to get back and get the confidence back in the change-up going forward. Um, and then the slider, going to be sticking with that. Um, and then I think I'm going to be starting to utilize some more uh, – forcing fastballs okay. you know I was working with uh coach Gonzo um pitching coach in Hartford and we were working on a few fastballs at the top of the zone and that really opened up uh things down for me to let the sinker play so you know I last year was a great learning experience I kind of after the COVID year I kind of came out there with a big toolbox of here's a cutter here's a this a curveball sinker and I kind of got away from what made me good and I think uh, learned some lessons throughout the year. And so I kind of, I know what I need to do next year going forward and how everything plays. So super excited to get back out there. Yeah. So do you think that obviously, yeah, this was a, a year of learning for you. Um, do you think that the change of the lack of, of having that change up field, that was kind of the biggest um, drawback for, for how things were going. That's kind of what was holding you back the most. Um. You know, I think it was there's a lot of non-competitive pitches um, that I threw, whether I'd be hooking balls or kind of whatever. But the sinker and changeup really started to blend together um, earlier in the year, and so not being able to get swing and misses on the changeup, and then 
getting trying to get weak contact with the sinker you know people the hitters were good so um I was it was I mean looking back like it was a great experience like I'm glad I got kind of got my butt kicked to be honest with you um you know it's it'd be better than doing that in Denver you know so I kind of know <laughs> what I you know I learned a lot and I'm really happy about the experience and kind of where I'm at so yeah you because you went high you went high A nine innings and then you went straight to Hartford. Like you bumped real quick, real early and you don't really see that often. And one of the things that we talked about is like, there's a like double A has the most talent, I think of like almost any of the levels. And so going to that first professional year and then getting it figured out in September, cause you dropped your whip down to 126 down in September like saying like you got that feel as the season went on um, that's got to give you some confidence going into next season, right? Like going through the trials and tribulations and getting to where you are now. Definitely. You know, it's kind of like gave a lot of guys some free hits last year, you know, um, probably licking their chops to get back in the box against me, but it's something where I'm, I'm equally even more excited to get back against them and kind of prove to them, um, kind of what's what's been going on and you know I'm just super excited to get back out there you know I, I was like I wish the year was another couple months that ended and I was like it's already over but um I was just starting to get going but um yeah it was good great so yeah. it'll be good well and how did it feel just getting jumped up to Hartford because like Aaron's saying that's maybe the most talented level in the minor leagues you're you're getting there with very little pro experience like how did that feel just knowing that I mean the organization has faith in you but um, just from like a personal perspective welcoming that challenge what was that like yeah you know it was super excited you know I didn't want to it's kind of where I judging by people across other friends and stuff it was like that's where I wanted to be you know it was I wanted to do needed to get there almost to a sense and for myself, you know, and I think, uh, once I got there, I tried to make some adjustments and tried to try to do too much, um, uh, kind of gave guys too much credit. Um, and, you know, I think that was something where I brought this big arsenal and then I had to narrow it down and just simplify things to compete, you know? So, um, it was, it was a really happy, really excited to get to Hartford and, uh, things didn't go the way I wanted to right at first, but, um, you know, every day I was learning stuff, picking guys' brains, coaching staff, getting to know people. And, uh, it was great. Okay. Yeah. Do you, so you had four at bats. Do you have any inkling to switch positions <laughs> and stick it in the box? You know, I, I had to lay down a bunt the one time that was my only hit. So I got that wrapped up for my mom for Christmas, you know, um, <laughs> but the fact, we were joking with Feltner and some of the guys like, wow, that ball's looking awful big coming in there, but it was a blur. You know, it was, I have no interest in, eh, I mean, I'll get up there and do what I need to, but if I got, it's, there's people getting paid to do that and I'll <laughs> let them handle that. You know, so you're a proponent for the universal DH going forward. You know, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, you did work a walk. You did have a strikeout yeah. in your, in your five plate appearances. So 
you can hold your own up there and you bunted right so you can you can lay one down if we need it hey, yeah i'll do what i need to do you know i'm <laughs> not gonna not gonna jump off the page but maybe at a four hole single and but that's about it <laughs> yeah i love that i i do want to go back to the cws um i grew up in nebraska so the cws was like the highlight of my summer we went every year from like eight years old until I moved up to Michigan a few years ago. Um, what was that like for you? Like playing in front of 30, 40,000 people on that stage, like that first moment, that first game, like, what was that like? It was pretty crazy. You know, um, the, there's ceremonies leading up to it. So the couple of days before the first game, you got, opening ceremonies there's concerts it's just a big hoopla of everything you know and you're like wow we're really here and then that first game I remember so we were the first overall game of the weekend and I'm warming up and all of a sudden a big national anthem and a big stealth bomber comes just yeah. over and it was already over the stadium before you could really or you heard it you know and it was like holy smokes it's like this is real and then you go out there and uh you know it's just coach Federer did a great job for us mentally of being prepared for that and kind of learning to deal with that type of stuff. Um, so it was just really, we were just playing another game. And when we got out there, it wasn't, wasn't anything. You weren't looking up in the stands or anything. And it's just kind of, you, we expected to do well, you know? Um, and that was credit to the preparation that the coaches put us through and the mentality of the guys around us to give each other confidence. So, I mean, it was an absolute riot getting the family there, friends, um, Michigan fans. It was, it was crazy. It's, it's a fun experience as a fan too. I always sat out on the bleachers. We were always the assholes that had the beach balls that you had to <laughs> pause the game for and holler at the yeah. fielders and right fielders, but it's a blast. I remember that. <laughs> it scared me when I, they're like, they yell, the right field sucks, left field sucks. Yeah. And the first time they did that, I had to step off the mound. I was like, what's going on out here? And <laughs> I remember that one, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fun. Yeah, that's cool. Were you just gassed by the end of it when you're against Vandy in that game three? Yeah, I was pretty drained, you know, um, but did it really affect the way I pitched? No. Um, it wasn't something where I went out there like, oh, geez, I'm not ready to pitch my arms or, you know, it was, there was a, you know, I just, I didn't execute the way I needed to. Um, and we fell a little short. Um, there's a couple of pitches I wish I could take back, but um, at the end of the day, we left it all out there and, you know, it was wish, wish we could have finished it off for sure. Um, but the memories and everything, uh, if anything, hopefully motivates some of the younger guys to kind of get back there and finish what we were close to doing. Right. Yeah. It's that tournament. It just, it's a tournament style, right? So like it's, it's a lot on the body, a lot on the, just everything encompassing it and just, it's a lot going yeah. on, you know, I'd say, yeah, we, we won, our first four games, I believe. So we had some time off in between, you know? Yeah. Um, so we were playing two games a week probably. So it wasn't like a crazy schedule, but there was a lot going on, you know? Um, but yeah, it was awesome. Omaha yeah. was great. That's cool. 
it's cool do you miss the tournament style like do you wish you could like just play tournament styles as a professional you know it's there's something about that the playoffs um right. that just makes it special you know so um you just got to win your other games to get there now that's the only difference you know get to the tournament so um that's that's kind of where i'm at in that i mean tournaments are great you know but now it's just a lot more games to get there and one big giant important tournament i like that mindset yeah, exactly i dig that mindset that's cool well so i'm curious about um this is something i always want to ask when, when we talk to guys in the in the minor leagues like what your relationship has been like with analytics and, and how it's grown over time like did that start for you at michigan uh, like how did all how did how did analytics really become part of your game yeah, so Coach Feder, uh, he did a great job, the whole coaching staff in Michigan, um, to kind of break that stuff down, understand it, and uh, something that I learned to understand, but it was also something that I also didn't put too much value in in college. It was Coach Feder would look at the numbers, and if there was something important, I wanted him to tell me, but if there really wasn't, I kind of stayed away from it. Um, and I just didn't want it to clutter my mind, you know. Um, now with, uh, going forward, it's something that I need to implement more to understand, I believe more so approach to other hitters, kind of what, you know, if some guy can't hit a fastball down and away, like I want to be able to throw that fastball down and away and know that and look at the numbers and kind of understand that. So I think it's something that that's kind of why I'm down here in Tampa is to work with, uh, uh, it's a place called Kinetic Pro and just kind of their focus um, of the whole biomechanics, kind of the whole tra- – they got a track man in there to throw with and just kind of understanding the whole pitching process. Um, and so I'm that was kind of a focus of mine going into the offseason was being able to look at the numbers, process the information, and kind of come out stronger. And so I'm super excited. I know I just read something the other day with the, the Rockies hired a few, and uh, a few other guys, and we got to meet the – this is, I forget his name, but who was with the Nationals. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. when we were in Harrisburg, he came over and talked to us. So I'm super excited to get to talk to those guys and kind of, you know, I know Chris Forbes is, was talking about it and kind of the direction that they want to go with the whole analytics. So just super excited to kind of work with those guys and learn more. So was your, this current offseason plan, was that totally self-driven or, or kind of influenced by the Rockies? I, I think it was self-driven. It was kind of my, you know, it's something I, to be the best, I feel like I need to be one of my best coaches, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think just the more, you know, um, I mean, the, it's not always better, but um, <laughs> I'm trying to just educate myself to the greatest extent so I can make little adjustments here and be able to look at stuff. And if it's quantifiable, um, it just makes it easier to understand and break it down. So that was kind of the focus. That's, that's cool that again, your mindset, I just hearing you talk, it's your mindset's in the right place. And it's really cool to have, like, you're just open about what you need to do and how to get better. And you, like, you have this game plan ready to go and what you need to do to make yourself be competitive at the top of the, the, you know, just the top of it, like being the best that you possibly can. So like, I appreciate listening to you talk about that. Yeah. That's really cool. 
it's cool. Um, let's end it with this. I, we always like to end it with some softball questions. Um, just friendly, friendly questions, get to know you a little bit. Um, I usually go to the college website, but Michigan did not do their due diligence. So <laughs> easy question. What is your like go-to meal? Like favorite meal? Go-to meal? Oh, if I'm cooking alone, like I am down here, the easiest thing I can do is the, it's just chicken and broccoli. Simple. <laughs> but if I'm back home with my like parents, you know, I love like a good, like, steak and fish like a surf and turf type thing like a little bit of both i think that's i'm looking forward to that on christmas hopefully hopefully my mom will hear that (laughs) (laughs) making that steak i guarantee it yeah (laughs) are you one of those minor league chipotle addicts like i know that there's some guys who eat like lunch and dinner every day if they can (laughs) i'm not that bad i'll get it like maybe once a week Okay. Um, but I can only eat so much Chipotle, you know, <laughs> it's good, but you know, it's kind of an unpopular heavy. opinion. I might even rather go to, uh, Qdoba personally, but oh. that's, that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> Dive into that later. Um, what happened to your mustache? So that September 2nd game, there was a faint mustache. You had the long hair. Did you just get rid of it at the end or? Yeah. Um, I think my mom came to town and was mad at me. Said, you gotta get rid of that thing. And then my girlfriend probably came to town too. And my, she's like, um, but yeah, it was, we had a, a few of the guys were growing out mustaches last uh, summer. So that was kind of fun. Something, something different to do, you know? So it plays, I, I, I thought it looked good on the mound. It looked like you were owning, owning the mound with the mustache just a little bit more, just, yeah, I, mean, I might bring it back. You know, it's I had a mullet in uh, college my junior year, so just something a little funky every now and then. Yeah, Never you gotta bring back the goose gossage look. Get it all <laughs> <There we laughs> <go. laughs> the whole side or the whole handlebar look. <laughs> yeah, we encourage all of all of that. <laughs> and then last question: um, What is like the coolest like personal baseball moment you've ever had? so like grant levine told us he hit for the home run cycle like when he was like 10 hit a solo shot two run shot three run shot grand slam like um what was like that moment for you oh the uh, the coolest moment kind of revolving around baseball yeah you know i think we had won the corvallis regional and then i got drafted right after that you know for myself personally that that whole um, being able to go to a super regional and then on top of that, after the game, finding out I had gotten drafted by the Rockies, you know, I think for myself and my family, that was one of the cooler uh, um, nights that baseball has brought us um, of many great moments that we've had. But I think um, looking back, that one was pretty special for sure. Were you playing when you were drafted? So, it was, we just finished the game and then I had gotten the call probably as we were getting on the bus, like taking pictures um, to flip oh. on the draft. And then, so before we had all gotten on the draft, uh, one of my best friends, Tommy had gotten picked two picks before me. So everyone was going crazy. And then um, I'd found out I got drafted right after that. And so it's just a whole kind of a blur, but it was a blast for all of us. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's a wild ride of emotions yeah. right there. That's definitely <laughs> that's sweet. That's cool. Oh, well, Carl, I appreciate you spending your afternoon with us talking ball. Um, and again, just appreciate your mindset. And we are rooting for you here and just keep doing cool stuff, man. This is fun. You got it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Should be a fun year. Yeah, let's go. Appreciate it. it. All right. Bye, Carl. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Thank you for tuning in. Find more content at blakestreetbanter.com.